0: quarterly report this is your host Arman Lee. What is going on ladies and gentlemen? It is episode 71 of the quarterly report so of course that means I am your host Armand Lee. We got another great show for you this week. Football season is upon us and it gets started tonight at the sound of my voice Thursday night. I know y'all can't wait and to break down the season and the game's NBC my guy JP Finley of NBC Sports Washington will be joining me we're going to talk all things NFL and parody a topic that has been near and dear to my heart for quite some time if you've been listening to the show you already know so he and I are going to debate that and a slew of other NFL topics plus while most people are excited about the NFL season yours truly oh man the last four months of this year are going to be amazing for the sport of boxing, and that starts this weekend. I will preview a huge welterweight showdown between Danny Garcia and Sean Porter. All of that and so much more. But first, our number one topic First, I am convinced that John Gruden is the damn Manchurian candidate. (laughs) Like, what the hell is going on with the Raiders? A week before the season starts, they trade their best player, Khalil Mack, to the Chicago Bears. And then, as soon as Chicago gets him, they act like any other reasonable team. Yo, we have an elite player. Let's pay him. This is something that, I don't know what's going on in the NFL. I I, I swear, man, I was talking to this About my cousin last week, and we actually didn't put this segment on the show, but I'm going to upload it on the Instagram. So make sure you follow my Instagram page, Quarterly Report. We have all types of footage, a lot of wire stuff, and interview snippets that you guys can check out. But he and I, in this last week, we were talking about Odell Beckham. And the idea that teams wait to pay their elite stars, I don't get that. I didn't get it with Odell. I didn't get it with Aaron Donald. I damn sure don't get it with the Raiders trading him to the Bears. Like, why like what's the logic behind that? Sure, they got two first-round picks, even though they had to then give up a second round pick. Like the whole deal is crazy. But you hope to draft a player like Khalil Mack. They did it. Like they drafted the elite player. And then in his prime. They decide not to pay him. I don't know what their religion is. They need to wash their face. That just doesn't make any sense. Like Get your, get your mind right. Understand. John Gruden is the finesse king. Him and Joe Johnson, that may be a new segment that we're going to start later down the road, right? Finesse king, right? Or queen. But John Gruden, he has flipped the game. He left the Raiders, and the Raiders... Turn into the dumpster fire that we have now known them to be for close to two decades since him leaving. Since he left, right? He went to the perfect opportunity in Tampa. People forget the year. I want to say it was Dungy's last year, where the Bucks lost to the Rams in the NFC Championship game on a fluke Sean King fumble. They then changed the fumble rule because of it, right? Because it was so fluke. Gruden takes over for Dungy. Gruden doesn't touch the defense. The defense already knows what time it is. The defense is what won the championship. They got Brad Johnson, who was not a, an elite quarterback by any stretch, but was not an upgrade over Trent Dilfer and Sean King, right? And then after the one Super Bowl in his first year, what did he do in Tampa? He turned that organization and ran it to the ground, couldn't draft, alienated players, and then he was gone. Then he left, Right? wanted to draft the quarterback every year just couldn't get it done couldn't find the guy and then he sat on a pile of millions of dollars at espn doing the Gruden quarterback camp doing monday night football and he was great at it he was great chucky everybody liked the intensity him being crazy calling Peyton manning the sheriff and all this other stuff and then for whatever i mean i'm not gonna say for whatever reason The Raiders needed a rebrand, right? They're about to move to Vegas, get the biggest stars you can get, get a guy who has ties to the area and who's a big star, get some cachet the whole nine. They bring back John Gruden. Oh, my goodness. For $100 million for 10 years. And the first thing he does is cut the punter. (laughs) He cuts the punter. A damn good punter. Then he alienates the best player on the team. The best player on the team. I don't understand that logic. If y'all do hit me up, email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me, please. Quarterly show Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Because I need answers. I don't get it. Like, I look at how Green Bay handled Aaron Rodgers and I'm like, that makes sense. Pay the player who's the best. Play pay your best player. Set a tone. Understand, set a tone, set an example to all the players on your roster. When you play well, when you excel, and when you dominate and show yourself to be an elite player, we will take care of you. You don't have to worry about doing any of these silly games, not going to OTAs, holdouts, talking to the media, none of that. When we are grown ups, we are an adult organization. We have an elite player in Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be satisfied. The Giants going to wait all offseason to do something that we all knew they should do. Like their best player is Odell Beckham. Pay him. I don't know why it took them so long, but look, they finally got to the right equation. Aaron Donald, this has been going on for two years. The Rams paid everybody. (laughs) They paid everybody before they paid their best player. What? And the Raiders, they're just like, Slim, we know we have an elite talent. We're going to trade. Again, I say this all the time. Trading K- Khalil Mack for two first-round picks is having a winning Powerball ticket in your hand. You know you have a winner. And then trading it for two dozen scratch-off lottery tickets. That possibly could win, right? They could, and maybe if all of them wins, you get a better disc. You get a, you know, you didn't pay as much, and you get more, more, more uh, winning, more shares, more more dollars, right? But what's the likelihood? What's the likelihood that John Gruden, who then goes out of his way to kill his general manager, right, ripped them on Sunday night? What is the likelihood that John Gruden, who hasn't been a good drafter at, at in, anywhere in Tampa, he was an awful draft, he kills his general manager currently in the Raiders. What's the likelihood that they find someone half as good as Khalil Mack with either of the two picks they got? That doesn't make any sense. I'm literally, I'm literally at a loss for words. And y'all BAMAs keep telling me that anybody can win the Super Bowl. You want to know who's not going to win this Super Bowl? The damn Raiders. They're playing games. They're playing games other than football. Because unless I'm mistaken, the best way to win football games is to have the best players. Right? I don't think the Patriots are going to trade Tom Brady. Just a hunch. I don't think... The Jaguars are going to trade Jalen Ramsey, just guessing, going out on a limb, or the Broncos with Von Miller, right? You like to keep those players. The guys who are great, you like to keep them around, especially when they're like, you are trading a leader in the organization and in the community who never gets in trouble. And on top of that, he's just entering his prime. (laughs) hey man I don't I don't know I don't know I I just the whole offseason has just been strange to me in seeing how certain teams handle their marquee players and and you know relation to how the successful teams handle their marquee players you know it's just odd to see the juxtaposition and then you realize okay well that's why the Raiders are the Raiders that's why since Kurt Warner left, the Rams are the Rams. And everybody loves the Rams this season. Everybody is talking about how the Rams, and they've got a lot of talent. But this ain't fantasy football, right? We'll see how it meshes. Good luck. But you know what? They, they did come to them, their senses. They weren't dumb like the other Los Angeles team, right? They actually kept their best player, kept one of the best 10 or so players in the league, and Aaron Donald they didn't play games with him too much Oakland I'm sorry for y'all man I, I mean or whatever the hell they are man because you know they're about to leave Vegas soon you know they they probably have punt. I mean punted they traded with the most the most entertaining somehow they had a punter who was entertaining and who was good and they got rid of him I don't know what John Gruden is doing but salute to him man because them checks are not bouncing. Finesse King. All right, y'all. That's the first quarter. I'm still at a loss. So, we're going to take a timeout, a brief timeout from the sports world, and dive in to someone who's a bit of an inspiration, but has done it by their own rules. It's our second topic. Second quarter. I'm living my best life. Ain't going back that's right we're living I'm our living best life, life, life here on the quarterly report Now i ain't going back and forth with y'all just, you feel me for those of you who don't know that's a song it's kind of you know it it has inspired me for a new segment you know and from time to time i'm gonna shout out bama's who you know living their best life despite what everybody else thinks about them or past failures or whatnot. You know, little Duvall, he got one on his hands with that one. And it's true. You know, sometimes you got to do you. No matter what everybody else says, no matter what, you know, expectations are or what supposedly is the, you know, the the way you should handle things. And I got to salute somebody who I have been a fan of for my entire adult life. Like, I remember when I first bought Joe Budden's first CD. I don't even remember the name of that joint, but y'all know it was the joint with pump it up on it. And I was like, "Okay, clearly dude can rap." You know? And then I remember the Mood Music series. Like them I I love the first, the first three specifically. I think number 2 was my favorite one, but you know, it's it's been a while. But I remember just being like, "Yo, Joey can spit, Joey can go." But it just didn't pop off rapping the way a lot of people thought it should and this is the thing there was a point in time where it was cool to take shots at joe button like joe button was like that was the butt of the joke like no that's just joe button and it ain't like he can't spit like everybody who's ever listened to joey knows he can get at it but for whatever reason it just didn't pop off for him so then he kind of flipped it he was doing the slaughterhouse joint and then he started doing the everyday struggle bit on complex and that was cool you know what i mean it was different but even then right he had the vision to kind of get in the media and joey has been doing that for a minute I've, I've seen joey on first take debating skip back in the day you know what i'm saying but you know he's, he does the everyday struggle and even then even though you know it's a dope idea even though you can see him branching out it still was kind of like oh here go Joey going at little yada here go Joey. About to get in the fight with Migos or whatever, whatever. And it was still like, all right, Joey's dope. We know Joey can spit with Starter House, but still, eh, it ain't popping like that. Everyday struggle is dope, but eh, he's still kind of a clown. Whatever, whatever. Then the man left, left complex, left money, left a successful internet show like ahead of its time. And what did he do? He started doing his own podcast. Maybe he was doing it before the complex. I'm not sure of the timetable, but I started paying attention to the Joe Budden podcast during his run at Everyday Struggle. And now, look, who's got the podcast game better than Joey right now? Who's living their best life better than Joey? (laughs) Slim, what's more Joe Budden? Last Friday, apparently, is his birthday. And then Eminem drops like a sneaky album that no one knew was coming out. And during the album, M goes at Joe Button. And everybody's like, yo, Joey, how you get dissed on your birthday? And old Joey probably, y'all remember? Remember the back in the, like, 10 years ago and Joey and Game are going at each other and they dropping, like, five-minute-long disses at each other off the, like, the most silly thing? Like, that's how, that's the Joey that I'm familiar with, the rapper, the, the Joe Button that I know. The Joey who Drake... All Drake did was say, pump, pump, pump it up. And then Joey goes on a, a rampage like three years ago, rapping like five disses in like two weeks. He was ready to do a whole album on dissing. That's the Joy that I'm familiar with. The Joy I see now on his birthday gets dissed by Eminem. And how did he handle it? He flipped the game. Not only did he not respond in a diss, he teased everyone because You couldn't get more clout. You couldn't get more juice than what M did for him. And he teased it for this week's episode. The Joe Budden podcast, I don't need to tell most of y'all. Y'all know it comes out on Wednesdays. So my pod comes out on Thursdays. So his newest episode has already been out, but it hasn't been released at the time of this recording as I'm doing the second quarter, right? But everybody's waiting with great anticipation to see how and why Joey is going for number one is under attack by him and how he responds. He secured the bag, he's getting money from Puff. He's got Spotify, like, exclusively, he's got an exclusive deal with Spotify for the podcast. And he's retired from rapping. All of this happened. Like, there's a life lesson within all of this. Joey was a dope rapper. Like, no one can tell you otherwise, but for whatever reason, it wasn't popping off. So he he took a step back. He tried to fight it for a while, right? What was the last album, Rage Against the Machine? He he was literally raging, trying to fight it, trying to fight the machine. And then he was like, nah, Slim, one of the reasons why The Wire is the greatest piece of entertainment in American history. It's not just the characters. It's not just the storyline. Not just the plot. Not just the writing, but some of the great quotes. And Marla Daniels had one of the greatest quotes, in not just television history, but I think in American culture. Lieutenant Daniels, he was he was in he was in a spot, right? They had him under the under the finger. They had him they had him jammed up, and he's talking to her. And she was like, he was telling her how the game was rigged, and he, he and she told him eating dinner. You cannot lose the game if you do not play. Like, off rip. How dope is that? You cannot lose if you are not playing. Joey peeped it. He got him a squad. on Shady with him. And it just wasn't working. He went at G-Unit before anybody was going at G-Unit. The beef didn't work. Joe went at Jay-Z on his first single. (laughs) You feel me? Joe went at Jay. It wasn't, it didn't work. It just wasn't popping off. He's doing songs with Marcus Houston. Y'all know, everybody's heard the jokes about Joe Budden before. And they true. But you can't take away from the fact that he could spit. Joe was one of the better rappers in the early 2000s up until now. But it just wasn't popping. The game was rigged for Joy, And what did he do? He stopped playing. He made his own rules in his own game. And now look at him. Flourishing. Living his best life. So who better than Joe Budden? The day after, I'm assuming this is going to be one of his best weeks for his podcast, right? He's just going to ride the wave that M gave him just off GP. You couldn't have asked for a better birthday present. So shout out to Joy because no bull. He's an inspiration to me. You know, before I started doing this pod, I was a producer. I I was like a full-time producer. I still produce from time to time. Do get in where I can get in. You feel me? But nobody could tell me from a production, from a producer standpoint that I didn't, I didn't get at it. But while I was producing those last four years, full times, I wasn't very happy. I got some acclaim, got some awards, boom, boom. But then I fell off, like fell on hard times. And then I switched up, trying to live my best life. So no bulls. Shout out to Joey for being an inspiration, for real. Not just because of the podcast game, which clearly he's an influencer. But just peeping like, yo, sometimes... It's not going to work out the way you think it should or the way you have envisioned, and that's okay. But you always got to be ready to flip the game and always got to have your eyes and ears open. So like little Duvall and Stoop have been telling us all summer long, live your best life. Don't go back and forth with these, you understand? Shout out to Joe Budden. I don't know how it's going to play out between him and M, but I'm all ears. Cause this is down my age bracket right joey's 38 m is in his 40s i ain't got time to be following these little bammers anymore i don't i, I know what time it is i know the rap that i like and i appreciate and these bammers <laughs> you know they got salt and pepper now you know and you know i don't know what's going on with him that may be a quarter for another show right but right now shout out to joey man because he's living his best life <laughs> All right, y'all, y'all heard the horn, so that means it's halftime, man. We're moving and grooving this week on The Quarterly Report. First off, again, thank you to each and every one of you all who listen, listen and download and subscribe each week. I appreciate you. Make sure you guys follow me, not just on Apple iTunes, not just on uh, Apple Podcasts, but on Stitcher. Download and subscribe to the show on Stitcher, or if you like Spotify, like we just talking about with Joe button, I'm on Spotify, too. Download, subscribe to the show but for the majority of you all who are on Apple I, or Apple Podcasts and iTunes, make sure you leave a review. Rate and review, review the show. Five-star review if you guys don't mind. Let me, let your friends, let the world know what you feel about the quarterly report. In my opinion, my humble opinion, just the best sports podcast of all time. <laughs> all right, y'all. So we are at halftime. And for this week, man... It's time to give out some advice. There are a lot of people out there struggling. There are a lot of people out there hurting and making a fool out of themselves. So because I am a man of the people, it's time to open up the call center. That's right. The quarterly report hotline, Blink, where we take some questions, comments, and concerns from the biggest names in sports, music, and entertainment and try to help them along the way. Check it out. Thanks for calling in to the Quarterly Report Call Center, where we give you our best advice for whatever situation that may be facing you. First caller, what's your name, where you're from, and what is your question this week?
1: Hi, my name is Phil, Phil Knight from Eugene, Oregon. I can't believe I got through, I'm such a huge fan, thanks for taking my call. Um, it's been a rough week for me, I am the head of a large and hugely popular athletic company and we just signed one of the more controversial athletes currently and maybe in the history of our organization. I've been seeing so many people burn products that they bought from Kohl's and Sears, products that we made for probably $5, but products that we sold for about $55 at your local Target or Payless. I'm curious should i be concerned with the signing of colin kaepernick and how much of an issue would it be that my air monarchs are now flying off the shelf literally because people in des moines want to burn it i'll shut up and listen
0: thank you all right phil thanks for calling in um hook me up with some apparel man i need some, some blue sweatpants you know next season's about to start and you know, give me some, uh, you know what? I'll take as many foams as you want to give me. The orange and blue pennies, the Spike Lee pennies, if you don't mind, size 13. Appreciate you. Anyway, to your question or concern, it doesn't matter what the critics say. What they say, publicity, any type of publicity is great publicity. And you guys just probably got the most marketing, you know, that anyone could want for free. People have been talking about Kaepernick all week long since Monday and Labor Day, since you guys announced that he was going to be the face of your Just Do It campaign 30th anniversary. I don't even know what that means, what that entails. Some people say that you guys have their own Kaepernick line. Some people say that you don't. I think it would be kind of dope if you did. But regardless, you guys are a business. I'm sure there are so many people on your board who have looked at the numbers 5,000 different ways five thousand different times and analyze it over and over and over again and the smart people that you pay a lot of money have made the decision that this is an intelligent and a profitable investment nike didn't become one of the biggest brands in the world by making dumb decisions okay you guys make money you guys are in a position that where you can make a mistake and still make money not to mention i believe kaepernick had one of the highest selling jerseys last year, despite the fact that he hadn't played in like two years. He didn't play, he didn't change teams, and he still sold jerseys. Obviously, he's a profitable uh, person. He's a profitable athlete. Otherwise, you guys wouldn't have made him the face, let alone signed him, let alone come out with it on Labor Day. (laughs) You know what I mean? Nike, you guys have always kind of walked the line. And part of that is part of branding. You guys have branded yourself the cool, the edgy, right? The, the the line that is for the youth. Over the last three or five years or so, Adidas has kind of taken that away from you. So what did you do? You, you hit them with a death blow almost, right? Adidas is now forever going to be linked with Kanye West and the whole Drake fiasco. This summer, and you hit them even harder with the blow that resonates with the youth, with young people, with the culture that moves. Right, the the people who the people who you are specifically targeting with this ad campaign are people who move culture, move what is cool, move what is popular. This isn't. We may take a short term dip, even though I doubt it. Your brand is so big that one person. Even as polarizing as he is, I doubt it that that it affects you guys your guys' bottom line significantly, like initially. But long term, you guys aren't selling or doing this for me, who's 35 years old. But you're doing this for my eight-year-old daughter and her cousin, who's eight years old, and people who are 12 and 13, and people who are 16 years old, like people who are going to be the future buyers and the people who will be dictating the market in the next 10 to 20 years not the people who in 10 years and 20 years will be buying the same shoes that they've always bought i think this is a smart move and the fact that the people that you pay a lot of money think it's a smart move should be comforting enough for you as is all right phil thanks for the call we went a little bit long on that one so i'm only going to take one more call caller caller number two what's your name where you're from and what's your issue this week on all right uh, I'm a huge fan first time long time uh, this is Nick or uh, coach Sabin from Tuscaloosa and um, question I've had a pretty dominant 10-year run all right but this past weekend I came under fire for being passionate uh, and I think I was unfairly criticized for sticking up for my guys I'm sick and tired of answering the same question about who i'm going to start who's number one for me and my guys and i'm not going to vilify anybody all right for uh for clicks and headlines or whatever um am i being unfairly criticized because i kind of feel that i am and what should i do moving forward so uh i don't have to deal with this situation or this type of criticism again all right coach well look man if i'm reading the tea leaves correctly you kind of come off as a jerk man you kind of come off as an asshole so anytime you do something that's even remotely controversial or remotely provocative people are going to take the opportunity to jump on you now i actually saw your interview i didn't really think of what you said was that incendiary was that kind of off-putting but i will say this i don't think there is any difference between how you acted saturday night to maria taylor and how coach greg popovich acts routinely for a decade now to david aldrich to the late great craig sager or any of the sideline reporters on tnt or espn broadcast and i've got to say man i love Co- coach popovich and while i'm not the biggest I-, I wouldn't say i'm not a fan of yours i just don't know you that well but i even as someone who loves Craig Popovich i was kind of taken aback by how big and how many people came after you sunday morning saturday night to sunday morning off of what you said people who never say anything about greg popovich and what you and pop did are identical matter of fact you know we live in a world where tom brady can curse out a referee and scream at opponents and be disrespectful and to members of the media and it's all its all kind of washed away because he's Tom Brady, he can say stuff. But if Cam Newton or someone along those lines does it, then it's always, well, what does Cam Newton or what does Matthew Stafford want to do what Tom Brady does? Tom Brady won, so he can act a certain way. I completely disagree with that train of thought, that logic, I think that's lame and it speaks to people who make it. But if we're going to use that, right? The only people who are on your level, Coach Saban, are Coach Popovich and Coach Belichick, right? All three of those guys are super surly. All three of those guys have history of treating the members of the media, um, I don't know if disrespectful is the way, but not always the most pleasant when dealing with members of the media. However, it seems you have gotten in one day, on one weekend, gotten more criticism for your act than Coach Pop or Coach Belichick has gotten all throughout their career. I don't know why that is i don't know if that says something more about you or says something more about them or how we covered the media or the media in general but i'm with you i thought it was unfair um but ultimately what are you doing name a starter everybody knows your starters to stop playing just name a starter this this you're not you're not doing anyone any favors with this all right make the move and go win yourself your 30th national championship all right don't fight every battle every battle is not worth the fight all right chill out all right guys that's my time this week at the quarterly report call center as always make sure you give us a call give us your questions or concerns about anything that your favorite sports athletes or entertainers are dealing with and we'll be sure to answer it on the hotline am i the only one who is kind of Taken aback by the reaction to Nick Saban. Like I said, I love Greg Popovich. Don't, don't get it twisted. I'm a huge Coach Popovich fan. But I'm sitting there Saturday night and mainly Sunday morning looking at the reaction. And there was floods of just takes. And oh my gosh, how can Nick Saban? First off, I don't think what he said was really that disrespectful. He didn't call her out her name. He wasn't like physically intimidating, putting his finger on his face. He just reacted in a surly manner, in which he always does. But I couldn't, don't get me wrong, he came across as an ass, but he always comes across as an ass. You know what I'm saying? I've seen maybe five interviews where Nick Saban was like, oh, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a cool guy. Like five. He's been in the national spotlight decades now. Michigan State, you know what I'm saying? In any event. I couldn't believe all the people. I mean, I, I'm not going to name anybody because again, a lot of the, a lot of the people who, in my opinion, were being hypocrites are people I'm fans of. So I'm I, cause I'm thinking to myself, man, Greg Popovich has been doing the same thing, the same shtick for over a decade, right? Those in between quarter interviews that happen now. And they, they started, they, they happened, I guess in the early 2000, I guess David Stern implemented them. And Every national broadcast, actually, they may be in even the local broadcast now that I think about it, but definitely all the national broadcasts, um, our silent reporter asks is after the first quarter and after the third quarter, they ask the head coach, they get like two questions usually, and they talk to him, And but since they started, Greg Popovich has gone out of his way to be a dick. Let's call it, you could like Greg Popovich to still be like, yo, He's an asshole for doing it and he does it all the time. So I'm thinking to myself Sunday morning, like why are we getting such a reaction for what Nick Saban has done when Greg Popovich has routinely done the same thing, but has done it multiple times a season for over for close to 10 years, if not more. So I'm starting to think, well, is it because, you know, it's Maria Taylor and it looks kind of different when a man, an older man does it to a woman And then I think to myself, well, that can't be it, right? Because Popovich has done it to Doris Burke. He's done it to Lisa Saunders, uh, Roz, Cassidy, uh, Ali LaForce, Like, you name it. There are plenty of women sideline reporters who have caught that heat from Greg Popovich. So, I don't know. I have no idea why Saban got the heat that Popovich has kind of all. It's like when people talk about how Greg Popovich does it. They use it as a way to, like, as a charming, like, oh, well, that's just pop being pop. Nick Saban doesn't, he's so unprofessional, how dare he, and da 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 da. I guess, man, like, shout out to Maria Taylor. She handled it well. She was great during the interview, and then once the interview was over, you know, she was like, you know, just on to the next week. That's exactly how you should handle it. She did a, a fab, she asked a perfectly fair question, a question that everybody wanted to know the answer to. Like, when you talk about Alabama, that's the only thing you think about. Why? Like, who's the starter? Why hasn't Tua been named the permanent starter? Right? I mean, we see it. She asked the question that everybody wants to know. And he did the coach thing. Right? He did the Nick Saban thing. The Nick Saban thing that he always does. The the Greg Popovich thing that he always does. The Bill Belichick thing that he always does. But for whatever reason, we just we took it all out on Nick. Nick doesn't need my sympathy or empathy. But I got to be honest, bro. I'm watching it. I'm like, huh? I just didn't understand it. All right, guys. Halftime is over. So I'm going to try to get my Nick Saban on and finish this quarter, finish this show up strong, starting with a special guest this week, my guy, J.P. Finley from NBC Sports Watch. You guys know him as the host of the Redskins Talk podcast. Also, you can catch him, one of the hosts, for Redskins 100 on NBC Sports Washington, friend of the program J.P. Finley J.P., thanks so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report, bro Dude,
2: I'm happy to come on I, I guess, you know, you're not going to lean on me for my NBA expertise but you could call me for the wire sometimes, that's all I'm going to say
0: <laughs> Okay, you know what, duly noted, number one and number two, I want to make sure I don't mischaracterize you as someone who bashes the NBA I saw you tweet this out like a few months ago about how, you know, uh, the NBA uh, Twitter is like the NBA's playground. And we're going to get to an NBA versus NFL topic in a second. But I want to make sure that everyone understands that JP is a fan of the NBA. We have discussed NBA topics long, long, year, many years ago. So I just want to make sure I don't mischaracterize you as an NBA basher because NBA Twitter, uh, things get up. Other-
2: I, I, I totally I watch and consume the product. Right. But if you judge by Twitter, it's the most dominant sports league in the world.
0: <laughs> you know what, we do jive mob up on folks when it comes to defending the NBA. It's crazy, but you know what, it is the reality of the situation. All right, but let's get right into it. Obviously, you cover the Skins, an insider for NBC Sports Washington. Make sure you guys download the Redskins Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to Pods. Um, you know, I feel I had Jinx on the show a few weeks ago and we were talking about how it seems or at least it feels there's so much more optimism. There's so much more excitement for the start of the season locally than in recent years past. And we kind of came to the conclusion that it's because the the talking point, the, the narrative of Kirk Cousins and whether or not he is a franchise quarterback and debating each win and loss based on how his play is. And this isn't an indictment on Kirk Cousins at all. I think he's a hell of a quarterback, much better than I initially thought he would be. But I just feel like that was an exhausting kind of talking point that, I guess, fans and even players just got tired of. But now that that's gone, there seems to be, I don't know, uh, optimism, whether it's excitement, uh, rejuvenated feeling amongst the Burgundy and Gold fan base. Um, I guess my question to you is, number one, do you feel that excitement as you cover the team and you're interacting with fans, whether it's in the area or down in Virginia? And if so, why do you think that added excitement, that added uh, optimism is there?
2: Uh, I agree with you. I I definitely think the vibe is more positive. A lot of it is just, there aren't constant Kirk questions or not constant contract questions. You know who the quarterback's going to be. And then, you know, Kirk and Alex are very different people. Alex, has handled things very differently. Like, even, you know, what Kirk has said once he's been in Minnesota now about, like, he feels he has the license to lead and all this stuff. Like, Alex is just a different dude. Like, like, he's not selling T-shirts. He doesn't have social media. Like, right. he's just coming in trying to be the quarterback. And, and I think players, I don't think they're blowing smoke. Players have talked about him glowingly as a leader. Now, Everything can change once if he goes out and has a bad game, right? Like everything right. goes out the window as soon as he throws a bad pick or something. But right now, there definitely is a more positive vibe. I, I do think though the vibe changed when Darius Geis got hurt. A lot right. of the, a lot of the excitement and energy, kind of that kid was super charismatic and fans were so fired up about him that even though they now have Adrian Peterson who is going to the Hall of Fame and is a you know top five running back ever it doesn't feel the same um so i I think you know early august excitement was was high i think right now i think fans are almost expecting mediocrity um that's just my hunch i don't know once
0: again guys i'm joined by jp finley this week he is the host of the redskins talk podcast make sure you download subscribe to that pod on Apple Podcast or wherever else you listen to podcasts, also make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at JP Finley NBCS. Um, so I agree with you that the guy's injury has kind of calmed the excitement down a bit. But then Adrian Peterson comes, and he has he only plays in one preseason game, but everybody's all up in arms and everybody's super excited about that signing, right? So I guess my question, my next question to you is. If I told you, because the NFC is wide open, if I told you that the Redskins did have a successful season, would you say that it's more likely because Alex Smith can carry over the successful season that he had last year in Kansas City, if he could carry that over to this season? Or would you say it's because, or more likely, because of Washington's defense living up to the hype? I think the for
2: optimism for the Shins, though, is an improved defense. I think adding De'Ron Payne, getting John Allen healthy, the early returns on Tim Settle, Matt Ioannidis, like I think that's your that's why you should be optimistic about this Redskins team. Jay Gruden's offense is gonna move the ball, right? No matter what. Even like even the year he had R G three, Colt, and Kirk as the starting quarterbacks and they all were splitting time in twenty fourteen, they still moved the ball. Right. If you can if you can get a better defensive effort then things could be different. If the D-line, I mean, these guys are very young and inexperienced, but if they can perform like we've seen flashes of, then you're looking at a group that changes games. I, I think I think Alex Smith is, is pretty comparable to Kirk Cousins. I think he's going to turn the ball over less which right. will help the Redskins. But, like, I expect the Skins to move the ball offensively because they've always done that, even with no run game the last two years. So, I, I think
0: Once again, guys, I'm joined by J.P. Finley. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at J.P. Finley NBCS. He is the host of the Redskins Talk podcast. So all you football fans out there, you know, y'all know what time it is. The season's about to start. So make sure you download, subscribe, and give five-star reviews to the pod. Really fun pod. And the host of Redskins 100 Monday through Fridays on NBC Sports Washington. All right, so J.P., earlier this summer, I don't even know how it started but you and i were on social media going back and forth about parody as it pertains to the nfl versus the nba and i don't know i've been on this for a while now i feel like the nfl sells parody or sells the idea of parody better than they sell sell alcohol
2: and they sell a lot of alcohol
0: <laughs> right there are 32 nfl teams i feel like Right now, September, wherever it is, whatever date it is that everyone's listening to this pod, if you went to 20 to 23 NFL cities, they feel, whether we think it's realistic or legitimate or not, but 20 to 23 NFL cities will come out and say, yo, we have a real chance at winning. When history tells us that you don't, there are probably eight teams at maximum. If there is, imagine this, parity spectrum. And the NBA is at 0, right? The NBA has no parity. NBA has 0 parody. Exactly. The NBA has 0 parity. I will not disagree with you there. But on the spectrum of parity as it pertains to the major sports league, if the NBA is at 0, the NFL, they like to position themselves as a 10, like hockey or something. But they're not. In fact, I feel that the NFL is much closer in terms to parity of that of the nba than they are to baseball or hockey do you agree with that and if not why
2: uh yes you are wrong and why (laughs) is because the eagles won the super bowl last year now let me a lot of your points is i'm guessing derived on the success of the patriots right like the, the patriots are as close to what the war to me i think your better example is college football and the Warriors in Alabama. and people want to talk about parity in college football, it just doesn't exist. Anyway, but the the, the nature of the beast with football, that it's one game where anything can happen compared to seven games once you get into the playoffs in the NBA, eliminates the the dark horse winning game. I mean, dude, think about this. Of the final four teams last year in the NFC and the AFC, nobody would have had the Jaguars. Not a damn soul would have had the Jaguars. In the AFC title game, no. nobody had nobody had the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, especially when Carson Wentz went down. Like those kinds of things do not happen in any other sport. Maybe hockey, but I don't know enough about hockey to tell you. Right. Like if a goaltender right. gets hot, who knows,
0: right?
2: But right. Yeah, well, the will... Jags in the final four and the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Like you don't have to go too far back to have an immediate example. Of
0: okay, it. okay, you're right in that regard. However, I do think the Jaguars example that you use. Is and I have a huge hot take, and I'm not going to waste anyone's time on this. But I think that is in more or less because people far outweigh or overvalue uh, the importance of the quarterback position in the NFL. But again, I'm not. That's another topic for another day and another time. Tell you
2: what, I think that's a reasonable take, though. People forget that defense and run game wins can win a lot of games. Like everybody just wants to talk about fantasy stats, but like even the Seahawks when they were really good, right. Russ was. on defense.
0: defense right but but to, to reel it back to the nba versus nfl topic right since the year 2000 there have been I think the eagles made it 12 different super bowl champions since 2000 right during that same time span there have been seven different nba champions now obviously 12 is greater than seven by a difference of five but five it's not that much difference between a, a league that has zero parity and a league that everyone acts that it's the it has is rich with parity. Not to mention, there are two more teams in the NFL, so the variance should be greater, right? But if that's if you consider that a small sample size, you go all the way back to 1990, right? Since 1990, there have been 16 different Super Bowl champions during that same time span. It's been 11 NBA champions, so the difference of five still exists. What I'm saying difference
2: is... isn't in just champions, dude. The difference is in everybody makes the playoffs in the NBA. Two-thirds of the league make the playoffs.
0: Yet you know,
2: dude, every year in the NBA, if I get to pick three teams, one of them's going to win it. I mean, who's the only real shocker? Was that Pistons, Rasheed Wallace team, right? Like,
0: I think Dallas, the Mavericks as well.
2: I bet you would have probably picked what? the Mavericks. That- you know more than me, but like, would the Mavs not been one of three or four teams you picked this, that year? Obviously the Heat were, were the were the dominant pick, but I would think the Mavs with Dirk, that team was still pretty damn good. In the NFL, what's so different is the, the the teams making the playoffs turns over every year, and and there is a real feeling that if you can just get in, you can win the Super Bowl, and, and that is the difference to me when you talk about parity. Eh,
0: but you know what? Let's say I do grant you that. Just look at the AFC, okay? For 18, about 18 seasons, almost 20 years now, if I told you that one of these three teams will make the Super Bowl, right? The Patriots, the Steelers, or whatever team Peyton Manning is playing for, I'd be almost 100% correct for close to two decades now. And that still remains true today. I think right as we speak right now, the Patriots are not only the favorites to come out of the AFC, they're the favorites to win the whole Super Bowl. But that's also
2: the greatest dynasty in the history of the sport. I think that is relevant to the conversation. It's the best coach and best quarterback
0: ever. Okay, so if you are going to use the argument that, you know, the Patriots are an outlier, I think reasonable people, that's fine. That's fair. But I then would counter with this. When was the last time Washington won a playoff game? When was the last time the Browns won a playoff game? The Bengals, the Bills, the Lions, the Dolphins, so forth and so on. If parity exists, and we've already discussed, it doesn't exist from the top of champions, then where exactly is it if I can name all these teams who have gone so long without even winning a playoff game? You can't do that in the NBA. Totally. But the problem, here's where I would push back. And you're right,
2: dude. I think the Lions... I think a lot of the teams you named, I think the Lions are the most recent to win one. I think Stafford won a playoff game. But here's, here's where I think it's different, is those teams, including the Sins, have been mediocre to bad over the last decade, whatever it is. But when an NBA team, like, like when the Bucks or the Jazz win that first-round series, it's still completely irrelevant. Because you know they're not going to win the next series. Whereas in the NFL, like, if, if Aaron Rodgers gets in as a wild card, he's dangerous as hell because all he has to do is win three games and he's in the Super Bowl. You know what right. I mean? That's the difference for me. And, like, if you have one super hot defense, you know, like like the Vikings last year were, were a good team, but, like, Case Keenum was their quarterback. Like, you picked early in the year.
0: think that's a very good very nice clean way nice little middle ground that we have found uh to end the conversation although i still think you're wrong (laughs) once again guys this has been my guy jp finley make sure you follow him on twitter he's at jp finley nbcs the host of the redskins talk podcast host of redskins 100 on nbc sports washington obviously you all we are all excited for the upcoming NFL season so you want to make sure you follow JP for all your Redskins coverage JP man I really appreciate you joining me this week on the quarterly report bro
2: thanks man great to catch up
0: that was a fun conversation and just to be clear I want to make sure I make this pro this point perfectly clear I'm not saying that the NBA and the NFL are equals when it comes to parody I am a huge NBA fan and will be the first person to tell you that there is zero parity in the NBA. We all know the four, maybe at most five teams who have a chance to winning a championship, right? The NFL has more. But what I'm saying is the difference, right? The variance between the two leagues when it comes to parity is not night and day and that's how it's been positioned for so long, right? And I think you know, I, I did an amazing job at presenting facts there. But shout out to my guy, JP. That was, that was a, a fun conversation, one of the more fun interviews that I've had on the show. NFL fans, chill out. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be attacked. I just don't have the energy, man. This is, this is a time for happiness, right? The season is upon us. But it's also a time for happiness for those of us who are not necessarily NFL fans, but a fan of another sport. That topic is how we end the show our fourth topic this week fourth quarter we've already spent a good amount of time this week discussing the start of the nfl season and for good measure right i know so many of you all most of the sporting world i would say is excited right waiting with anticipation for the start of the nfl season which obviously at the time of this podcast released thursday night football falcons eagles we know this we know the deal the NFL season now is officially upon us. However, the NFL season, while I am excited, I can't wait for the start of the season. And while I love college football each and every year, more and more, right? And this past week in, weekend, up until I guess Monday night, of college football was exciting. Even though all the big time, quote unquote, big time games, the prime time showdowns, they weren't necessarily great games. They weren't exciting, but the anticipation, the excitement for the beginning, right? I got to tell you, the NFL start, the start of the NFL season, while I'm excited, it's not number one for me this weekend. College football, week two, eh, I don't know how many big time matchups I am excited to see Texas A&M and Clemson, but that's probably second for me this weekend. The number one thing I am most excited for, and y'all who know me or who have been listening to this show, y'all know what time it is, man. Hey, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, Saturday night. It is about damn time. Forget about why it took so long. Forget about the welterweight division being a complete mess and everybody in a standstill. Forget about how awful 2018 has been For the sport of boxing, my second favorite sport. We here now, right? There are four months left in this year. I've talked about it in the past a few weeks weeks ago, excuse me. How 2017 was, quite honestly, one of the best years of boxing in my lifetime. Maybe, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. It was literally super fight, super fight huge showdown fight of the year candidate fight of the year candidate super fight super like it just didn't stop and all of that positive momentum has been stalled in 2018 but here we are this saturday night with two of the best welterweights in the division fighting for belts that you know keith thurman who was the welterweight champion he had to vacate because of his injuries and that that Keith Thurman's injuries, though, those injuries have derailed and otherwise, I mean, heading into this year, if you told me the welterweight division would be in this much of a mess, I wouldn't have believed you, right? The fact that Danny and, and Sean are fighting now, like this fight should have already happened several times, several times, and it's just been a logjam because in my opinion, the best welterweight is Errol Spence Jr. But everybody talks about wanting to fight Spence when they have another fight lined up. We, we'll see. Because Spence has the belt. In fact, Spence, he has the belt of Kell Brook. Kell Brook, if you guys don't remember, a few years ago beat the mess. The mess out of Sean Porter. Took his title. It's a good fight, hell of a fight. But, you know, Sean, he, he wasn't, you know, Sean took the L that night. Spence, not, Spence made Kale quit. Broke his eye socket. Danny, Danny's a hell of a fighter. But Danny's had some questionable decisions in his past, and his win-loss record isn't perfect anymore, right? We all remember the Matisse fight. They both, Sean and Danny, have both had Really, really questionable, questionable may be the wrong term, but they've had very tough and close fights versus Keith Thurman. So that was one of the things, right? Sean is like, hey, Keith, you and I, we need to run our fight back because I think I beat you. And he has a hell of a case. I thought Keith beat Sean, but it was an entertaining fight. It was a close fight. Same thing with Danny. Danny and Keith got at it. Keith won, but Danny... Showed himself really well. And Danny thought he won. And it was a competitive fight. A close fight. I too thought Keith beat Danny. But Danny had a legitimate stake at look. I want my rematch. Let's run it back. And the whole division has been ducking. The two shouldn't say ducking. But Arrow is the number one fighter in the division. Maybe the number one fighter in the sport. And right there with him is Terrence Bud Crawford. So like all of this has just been kind of. Like ta- like planes taxiing around the runway. No one's taking off, and it's all stalled because because of Keith's injury. But hopefully, and I truly mean this, with Keith out of the picture, and with Danny and Sean starting to chirp about Arrow, hopefully we can get at it. The winner of this fight, hopefully they they say Arrow. Look, we are ready and then we can get moving because there's so much talent in at 147. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for like I get it that Bud is kind of a a, a, a in no man's land, right? He's fighting with top rank. They're not really if, if Manny isn't going to fight you, right? There's no real names, there's no draw on that side of the aisle. Everybody's working with Al Heyman and premier boxing champions. But unfortunately, at 147, with so much talent on that side, none of these guys are fighting. Hopefully, this is the last piece that kind of breaks the iceberg. You know what I mean? That chips away. We've been chipping at it all year. We've been chipping at it last year. And then finally, at 147, we can get these guys in some type of gauntlet. And we can see. Because the eyeball test lets us know Arrow is the guy. But if nobody wants to fight him, how do we know? I used to think Keith Thurman was, I thought, personally, and we're going about like five, six years ago, I was like, okay, Keith is the one. You know, I wanted Keith to fight um, Floyd after he beat Chino the second time, Marcos Maidana. After he beat Marcos Maidana the second time, I thought Floyd was going to fight um, Keith Thurman for his retirement match instead of Andre Berto. But Floyd made it quite clear. He was like, nah, Keith... Floyd called this five, six years ago. It was like, nah, Keith needs to fight Errol. And then I'll give him a fight. But he needs to fight him first. That was six, five, six years ago he called that. Keith still doesn't want to smoke with Errol. And no one else in the division seemingly does either. But I say all of that to say that we finally here now. Like it's like Thanksgiving evening. You know, all day. You've been waiting for the food all day. You've been waiting for that turkey, that stuffing, the mashed potatoes, the mac and cheese all day, and finally it's ready. That's how I feel right now because Saturday night, Slim, we've got two of the best fighters in the division going at it. Two of the best fighters for not just that night, not just for a championship, but also for the future of the division and how that plays out because then Now we've got all types of different topics, right? Next week, I can't wait to break down the fight. I can't wait to break down who looked best because it's been a while. Let's face it. It's been a while since we've seen Danny in there. It's been a while since we've seen Sean in there. And they're both coming into a huge fight. Who knows how many chances they get after this. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of, there's a long line. There's a long line now. We talked about Earl, but we can't forget about Keith. When Keith comes back, what do you think he wants? He What's the belt pay? He wants the strap. It's and then and then that doesn't factor in, bud. I mean, we we've got a we've got a hell of a division. We've got a hell of a race, and it all starts Saturday, and I can't wait. I've been going back and forth about who I think will win, you know. And again, it's been a while since I've seen both these guys in a a huge fight. So I'm trying to recall some of their last best fights and opponents. And I feel like we often overlook Danny. I really do. A lot of it is because we've seen him win some controversial decisions. And then it's also hard, even though this was six years ago or so, that Matisse loss is hard to get out of your head. But that was a while ago. But, man, Danny's a hell of a boxer. Danny's a hell of a boxer. And he's the more skilled of the two. But when you, when you watch a Sean Porter fight, and for those of you who are not boxing fans, um, if you have the time, if you have the time Saturday night, man, check it out. Because Sean is a bulldog. All his fights are the same. That he just goes out. He just doesn't stop. If you're looking for the most skilled boxing fight, don't turn it on. Don't watch because it's not going. It, it might be, but when you're going to see a slugfest, you're going to see grabbing, clinching, body shots. I mean, Sean is a bulldog. You can beat him, but you're going to earn that joint. And I don't know if Danny's skilled enough to keep that fight clean enough for him to win because, man, I don't see Danny in, a, in an ugly muck fight, a muck fest with Sean coming out victorious, I just don't see it. I could be wrong. I'm not sleeping on Danny because Danny is a hell of a fighter, and we've seen when Danny is in huge moments, like the Keith Thurman fight. Danny, Danny positioned himself quite well versus Keith, and that, again, that was a contra- at the time a controversial decision. So I know Danny is going to show up for this fight, but I don't know if he has ah the grit. The toughness to survive. Because, man, when I say bulldog, when I say a pit bull, that's what Sean is, man. You know what type of fight you are going to get when you see him in the ring. And that's exactly what I'm expecting Saturday night. So, for my prediction, ladies and gentlemen, drum roll please. I got Sean Porter beating Danny Garcia via decision. I don't see a knockout. Maybe a knockdown. Maybe a knockdown. Because Sean Shawn, Shawn throws the hammers. Okay? And I don't know how Danny's chin is still. But I got Sean winning via decision. And hopefully, not only will this open things up for the welterweight division. Hopefully, Sean steps up. And Jim Gray is going to be in that ring after the fight. And asking him specifically about Errol. Hopefully that. Whole 147-weight division opens up. But not only that, then the following week, my goodness, we got Canelo versus Golovkin part two. After this hellacious year for Canelo, we finally going to get at it. I can't wait to break it all down. Reviewing Sean and Danny and previewing Canelo-Golovkin two. All of that next week on the quarterly report ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to my 71st episode man i can't believe it's been 71 shows man but hey man i'm having a time of my life hopefully you guys are enjoying every second every episode as well i want to once again thank my guest this week jp finley make sure you listen to the red redskins talk podcast on itunes apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and check them out on Redskins 100 on NBC Sports Washington Monday through Friday. I know all you Burgundy and Gold fans can't wait until Sunday. So have a happy and safe NFL kickoff weekend. I will see you all right back here next Thursday for another episode of the Quarterly Report.